Howdy, friends. Welcome back to Experience Design with Tony Dosat. I happen to be Tony Dosat. Whether this is your first time tuning in or you've come back for more, I want to thank you for joining me. And if you find value in what you're hearing, please do take a moment to subscribe and leave a review. It's always greatly appreciated. And with that, what do you say we jump into the interview? Here we are with Bonzi Meta. Hey, Bonzi. I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. It really is my pleasure. You and I have never spoken before. Uh, just a little recap before this episode is the first conversation we had. And I want to be fully transparent with the listeners right now because we're all about doing this together. Bonzi and I were on a we were on a roll. We were riffing back and forth, talking enterprise UX. And I stopped and just about lost it because I forgot to press record. And Bonzi, what a sport, was like, let's, you know what? I'm on. Let's do this again. She has a, <laughs> she's got a great disposition about her. So welcome to the podcast again. <laughs> Thank you, Tony. <laughs> it's a pleasure. <laughs> Still. <laughs> Man, did we have a good rehearsal. So here we go. Bonzi, I'm going to jump into LinkedIn. You are the CEO and founder of a, of a company called Koru in India. Can you please just tell the listeners where you started and how you got to be where you are today? Absolutely. So um, as a company, we started in 2011. Uh, I started my career in, in, at the beginning of previous decade where, and I, I ought to mention this because I started my career or journey in an era where internet was just booming and um, it was filled with a lot of websites, but um, uh, still web applications and uh, design as a discipline especially usability, user experience, those things were scattered and um, rare as opposed to how it has become mainstream uh, stuff. So that's when I started. Um, I had a pleasure of working with one of the creamest UX design team uh, when I was working at SolidWorks. And um, that's when I saw that how they do it. And I learned a lot of things from them. I was, I was really, really happy with my job. I really didn't have a reason to move on to another job. Um, so, but back then in India, there was almost nothing happening on the um, user experience side. Um, or there was again, scattered discussions out over usability information architecture at max, but not really um, user centric design and the discipline and the philosophy, right? So um, I, I was like, this is perfect opportunity. I love <clears throat> doing what I'm doing. Um, I also like one, the thing that really drives me in life is the fear of dying without doing something worthwhile with my life. So ah. I had to do something bigger and better to make sure I'm, I live it to fullest. So that's when I started Koru. Um, and um, I, I mean, we started in Pune, India. And um, back then again, 
the talent was not as mature and um, uh, frequent to come across now this its situation has really changed so back then we uh, we would hire and i would personally train and groom the people who would come on board and um, in the initial years we started with um, still working on the wordpress projects and websites um, but i knew that we will find our focus and um, our our passion so um, along the way we, uh, we i think in the second year yes in the second year of um, beginning we we got got our first breakthrough projects our first enterprise um, uh, client mm. and uh, that was the turning point for koru uh, and once we got into it we started with one um, a care management application le- the legacy application and we overhauled it um, and it kind of hooked us after that it was like series of enterprise applications and uh, once we tried our hands with solving such complex um, problems it was very difficult to go back to anything else enterprise ux really became our thing and um, we live and breathe solving challenging hairy complex problems at enterprise applications and everything around with it beat the bureaucracy the uh, complexity the multiple stakeholders that we uh, deal with along the process um, it's it's just challenging and supremely rewarding that is really something i i actually have a lot of listeners in india and messages i get through email and social media dms just hungry and just passionate and talented and it's really impressive to see that those competencies take off in india yes i couldn't agree more we have i have seen this shift happening in front of my eyes where today having a conversation around user journey and user needs and user centric design as a discipline has become so easy and believe me this was not the uh, not the reality or the situation a few years back so we are seeing lot of people getting excited and um, getting skilled and trained in this discipline there are now also design schools which again in my time it was unheard of there mm. was I, i think my my parents would have never allowed me to get into <laughs> design <laughs> i mean if i would have said i want to graduate in design ever but yes now it has quite kind of it, it's upcoming it's emerging and i also see a lot of parents getting excited about putting their kids to um, a design and user experience uh, discipline i want to jump over to my phone real quick because i have linkedin pulled up and i want to read a little blurb here about koru at koru Our vision is to become the world's most preferred company that exists to help businesses with enterprise applications unleash the power of UX. So that is just in reading it such a bold vision and a bold statement. How do you live that statement on a daily basis and and inject that into your organization? it is indeed um, bold on tony and um, that is um, 
by purpose. So one, as I said, that I, I mean, I really live by this thing that I want to do something really worthwhile with my life. And um, so is the kind of the culture and belief system at Koru that we are into this to really make it big and have a band. And uh, a vision like this, which is bigger than me, bigger than an individual, that really helps in um, keep moving, keep driving, and in those moments of doubts, and there are a lot of such moments in, in a journey of entrepreneurship where there are, while there are peaks and rewards, there are also extreme lows where you have to really um, mm -hmm. manufacture inspiration and motivation out of thin air. A vision of this sort really becomes a guiding path that, yes, this is what we are onto. And um, what we have right now, probably it's just a setback or just, just one um, small incident. We have a bigger goal and a bigger vision to chase. And um, another aspect of it is really how you, how you believe in it and how you live and breathe. And if the um, people in organization see the leadership living it and believing in it, then we really don't have to sell it. They kind of see it and they, um, they kind of internalize it. And I think that's really the crux of having a, having a culture where the culture is not really what you have on the wall and what you really write or speak, but really how you make decisions in challenging times, how you behave and um, the actions. So I, I make sure that that my actions, my belief system is in line with the vision and what we are speaking. And um, I think it, it kind of is a chain reaction. It mm. I, th I, I really agree with you there. Um, I started a couple of companies myself over the years, and it is so true that with startups and with entrepreneurship, you really have to manufacture that passion sometimes how do you dig deep and do that during those times of such struggle that you just don't know if you haven't been through it? Yes. So um, one, I, I mean, for me personally, I have two sources that really keep me aligned and um, help me uh, during such challenging times. One is really the books. I love reading and I really uh, look for inspiration and how other people have gone through and what is the mindset that they had in a challenging situation, which really helped them keep, keep moving and not stopping, not quitting. And um, another is really this vision and what we have created here. So I have, cre I have really put my, um, my sweat and blood in creating this team and company and we we are really a service company so people is our asset we don't really have equipments and proprietary technology right so our process the culture the belief system and the and the people that's really is our asset i they have supported me through this journey and um, i'm really really fortunate to have a team that i can say they would stand by me no matter what's the situation and if i am to make a commitment i'm always sure that i'll have someone to back me up and mm -hmm. i can always bank on my um, team now this is a system where it works two ways one where i have this kind of a support system 
I also owe them um, in return, right? That there is accountability. I feel that I can never let them down. So these are the two ends. One is the vision itself that as a company, where we where we are heading, why we are doing this, what's our mission, what's the purpose, and if that is strong enough, that that helps through the challenging time. Another is really looking and learning from people who have done it, who have gone through great struggles and achieved great many things in, in varied industries and fields um, through books. And um, another is really building, the, uh, building this internal accountability system where um, it's not one way, it's two way between me and the team, um, I think. Mm. Together, this this helps me keep moving. If we dive back into enterprise versus uh, consumer facing, why do you think it is that, chronically speaking, enterprise experiences are lacking in that human-centered design focus or or best-in-class user experience that we often see in consumer-facing products? Well, primarily because the users of enterprise applications are not the buyers. Mm. So if you see at the entire buying process, people who really build the software, the companies that, that own or buy that software, uh, and the people who really use that software, these are completely different. There are there are at least two, if not more, tiers between the end users and the people who are product owners. And hence, the entire selling process is based in where, where the softwares are being sold to the IT department of an organization or to the procurement. Um, and the buying decision is really based on, okay, this is my feature list because all these people who have a say, they have kind of produced that I need these things from the software. And the people who are buying, they really, they, they are not user, um, user needs or user advocates um, who would know that what their, their really needs are. And we all know people do not always know what they need, right? So mm. there is a, that you might have a big want list, which kind of converts in a feature list and it becomes the central uh, checklist to, for buying decision but not really the need and what will really help the business versus uh, as well as the, uh, the user. So this I believe is the primary reason why um, enterprise applications are not by default user centric. But uh, well, the good news is that the shift is happening. And again, that shift is because while we in our jobs and in our um, uh, work, might be using enterprise applications, we are also exposed to a lot of great consumer applications. And um, really the, the, the pioneers like Amazon, Google, Apple, and the kind of an amount of influence they have and uh, in the kind of experiences and the products that we experience, that has all that has definitely raised the bar. And so we as an individuals have come to now expect better experience even from the enterprise application mm. so this has kind of this becoming one reason and another becoming of course the marketplace is becoming so competitive that businesses now have to really tap into this power of uh, how they can make their uh, products more employee centric more user centric um, do the research and really understand the 
the the, the latent hidden needs um, of those users and create this customer centric journeys and products to have that cutting edge right like have that uh, edge over competition so i think this phenomenon has really um, is bringing this shift in enterprise um, ux and uh, enterprise applications world and now there is a shift that is happening i definitely see that shift as well and i'm really thankful for it <laughs> and so often the excuse will be well it's making money and you know they're power users they're used to it you know they're just doing this and this all day long it's like well they're human beings <laughs> yes which brings me to there is a quote by brian kramer i saw it for the first time about a month ago and it struck me it the the, the quote is there is no more b to b or b to c it's human to human h to h what are your thoughts on this do you agree with that well, I would, I, it's really catchy. I mean, um, I agree right. with that. When, <laughs> when, and I think if, if you want to turn something into a movement, it has to be catchy, mm -hmm. as in it, it has to really hook you that, what is this? What is this person talking about? So that is definitely there. Well, I, I do agree with Brian in the spirit, in the sense um, that more and more businesses are, whether by choice or by force, required to adapt the user-centric approach. Uh, um, because it has proven now over the period of time that the companies that are more design-driven and user-centric over the period of time, and that, that period includes recession and financial hits and ups and downs that the industry and the world at large sees, so um, the S&P's uh, design uh, management index shows that the companies that have invested and become design driven, they have seen 210% increase in their revenues and profits compared to the other companies that were not. So mm. yes, there is a there, one, some companies are mature and they see that they are forward looking, they can, they see that this is the way to really uh, have an advantage and other companies to remain in the competition because the competition is becoming steep um, they have adapted user-centric uh, design and then there are still many many organizations and applications that are yet to adapt but i'm sure um, things are moving in that direction um, quite I, I think very soon businesses will not be able to ignore who the end users are and what are their needs and ignore their needs and prioritize the business's needs over users needs they'll have to have this perfect uh, amalgamation of balancing the users needs and the business needs in fact having in, uh, kind of wrapping the business around the core users and their needs as opposed to really the uh, probably the other way around so in that spirit i do agree with brian that um, yes you can no longer be just business and self-centric you have to have that customer centric and not only customer centric user centric approach um, if you want to stay in the business it certainly would make a great poster to hang up in an office somewhere <laughs> <laughs> and i do <laughs> I, I i think you're exactly right the spirit of it the actual meaning of it I completely align with um, the only thing that I think about when I saw it besides that the second part was that's not necessarily meeting them where they are and speaking their language you know if 
if we are tasked to speak the language of these people that run these enterprise experiences, we have to meet them where they are. And I don't know if they speak the language of, you know, campfires and kumbaya, human to human. Just yes. yet. We're getting there. <laughs> yes. Before I get to my last question that I ask every guest, where can people find you and find Koru? Um, I'm, we are quite active on LinkedIn and Twitter, both more on LinkedIn. And um, our website is koruux.com. Awesome. I'm going to put the link in the show notes for everybody who's interested. Now for my final question I ask every guest. What object or thing that you own that's non-digital hmm. means the most to you or has impacted your life the most and why? Hmm. Well, uh, can I, can I uh, maybe I, I can give more than one. So one, one is really... Go for the, it. I, you know what? I will let you do more than one. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean, if we look at, look around us, there are plenty of products. So um, it, at one end, I, I have, um, I have a four-year son, four-year-old son. I mean, when he, when he was a toddler, I was using the sippy cup from uh, IKEA. And um, I had used many, many sippy cups um, and tried many things. I think that that one really stuck, and uh, it was, I, it's still till date my favorite for the kind of grip it has, and uh, it you can see the how, how much milk is there in the sippy cup. It's so mm. easy to wash. You can, uh, you don't have to worry about the hygiene part because the uh, the spout is of plastic. So. I mean, at one end, there are, there are these well-thought, well-built products. At the other end, there are really um, the, the luxury products like a Moblo pen, where the, the feel, the experience you get when you open a Moblo pen and write with it, the way the cap sits in the mm. back, it has that magnetic grip and uh, that oral experience is so enriching. So I, I think, yes, good experiences are beyond digital products. Um, user experience as a word is usually associated with digital products, but there are fabulous products out there with superior experience, thoughtfulness, uh, mm. delight in everything. Industrial design to me is starting to become more and more fascinating, especially yes. as a parent, <laughs> when you realize <laughs> some of this stuff just drives you nuts. You're like, they have to know that that's going to drive me nuts in my kid's hand. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Ikea's good. Good for you, Ikea. Go ahead and sponsor <laughs> the show if you want to. <laughs> Bonzi, it has been such a joy having you, and I can't wait to have you back again sometime. The pleasure is all mine, Tony, and I must say you are an amazing host. You made this entire conversation looks so effortless and seamless and natural. I didn't feel the weight of it. So thank you. Oh, well, I am just too flattered. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, friends. With that, we will call it a week. Again, I want to thank my guest and thank you for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And if you did, don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening. 
Also, if you want to look behind the scenes and have even more design goodies in your face and in your ears, you can follow Experience Design on Instagram at xdpodcast. Until next time, friends, stay curious. Experience Design with Tony Dosett is part of XD Media, LLC. All opinions are my own and do not reflect those of my current or former employers. Hosting and publication of the podcast is through Buzzsprout.